Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Tech People. This is your host, Ken Coyne speaking. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Anika Lehmars to the show. We will discuss overcoming technology challenges in an effort to push boundaries and in innovation, which is based on her experience in the VC world, as well as being a co-founder of the tech startup, Peekabond. Anika and her team are helping families around the world connect by unlocking deep family bonds between children, family, and loved ones at a distance through video connection and playful, science-based content inspiration, such as interactive lessons, activities, games, stories, and songs. To learn more, let's welcome Anika. Welcome to the show, Anika. Thanks, Ken. Happy to be here. Thank you. I'm looking forward to learning a lot more today about your experience in innovation. But before we start, could we please just get a bit more background about you and who you are and your current role, please? Yeah, of course. So hi, everyone. My name is Anika. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Picabond. It's a startup and we help faraway families to connect with young children at a distance. And the reason I built this company is because my sister actually lives in Australia. I myself am at the moment, I relocated to Portugal, but usually I live in the Netherlands. (laughs) But as you can imagine, the distance between Australia and Europe is enormous, especially in times of pandemic. And my sister has two little ones that are very close to me in my heart, but very far away from me in terms of distance. So we have built a solution for families worldwide. Okay. So it's been downloaded in 60 countries, our app. And uh, what it does is two things. We give science-based content inspiration of all sorts of games that you can play with young children to help them develop. And all the while you're doing that, you're also developing a beautiful and meaningful relationship with them. And the second thing is you can create videos in the app and send them back and forth. So that's called asynchronous when you're not live together at the same time. So you can just send it when it suits you and the child can watch it when they're in the right mood for it. And you can even capture their response while they're watching your video. Uh-huh. Cool. And the first part you mentioned there was the gaming, the gaming side of it. How does that work exactly? Yeah. So we ask for the age of the child. So typically we now serve children up to six years old. So young children. And based on the age, we can give all sorts of games that are linked to child development milestones that those children typically go through in that age. And we give playful games to help them in those milestones and also help to have fun moments and create memories together. So it can be anything from playing a simple game like peekaboo with a six-month-old baby, or it can be a magic trick for children who are three years old, or it can be reading a story or singing a song. It's very yeah diverse, the content that we offer. Cool. Well, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to ask you some more about this in a while, but before we get to that, maybe we could go back to the focus of today really is about, I suppose, your experience in terms of innovation and what do you see 
with the challenge of innovation today? Yeah, I love it uh, because I've been, before I started with Bond, actually quite involved with innovation because my background is in venture capital. So it was always mm-hmm. my job to identify the biggest trends and invest in the most interesting companies of the future. So typically that would be within uh, the consumer tech sector that I was active in. So I'd been working for the innovation and venture department of a corporate uh, media company in the Netherlands and for different venture capital funds. And my expertise was specifically social tech, e-health, education tech, those types of companies. So the opportunity to actually see and watch and observe a lot of different companies and also see a bit of the inside of the companies, of course, that you get to invest in. And secretly always wanted to have my own super innovative company, (laughs) but never really had that one idea until this idea came along. And I really envision a future where families can feel together, even though they're not together. So I imagine in 10 years with my little niece in Australia, and maybe even sooner than 10 years, right? We will be able to kick a ball around in the room while she's in Australia and I'm in Europe, right? Maybe we can hang out and play games together, do all sorts of activities, but we're not in the same room. So I think with all the technology that we have, we can even you know, fly to the moon as soon, hopefully also to Mars. I think it should also be possible to have better relationships when you're not physically together all the time, and especially with the young children where it's extra important to, uh, to do that. So... It's a great point point you mentioned there because you're you're talking about, I mean, very new technology, Mm -hmm. uh, even future, I guess. So I'm guessing it's this is VR, AR kind of feel, I guess, metaverse. I mean, yes, correct. Yeah. So so how do you make a solution innovative enough now that you know it's it's currently new, Mm -hmm. but it's not too advanced either that it, it becomes an issue. That's a great question. So there are a couple of technologies that offer a great opportunity for Picabond. Indeed, you mentioned Metaverse. Blockchain, of course, is is a very interesting technology. And those are all technologies that are a potential catalyst enabling families to feel together in the same room. And like I said, it might go faster than we think. There are already some early adopters like parents and aunts and uncles, and maybe some children actually also in the Metaverse is what I've heard uh, in a New York Times article from last week. (laughs) But we just think, for example, our grandparents are already struggling to download mm. an app on a mobile phone still. Some of them, some are super tech savvy, but some really needs a hand to uh, get onboarded. So you have to be new, but not too new so that yes. you don't lose your crowd. And especially knowing your customers really well, especially families, of course, there's different generations involved. And being sure that you can serve all of them is a very interesting puzzle. And yeah, how do we do that? Well, I think it all comes down to user interviews, doesn't it? So we're really testing a lot with our users uh, on average, like five interviews per week. We have a full-time dedicated person in our team for that to test new features and also give it to our users and let them break it and watch them break it so that mm. they're stuck in the app, for example, and they don't know how to continue from there. And that, sorry, just on that point. So I guess you interviewed the parents or the, the older, I mean, yes, the, both generations. Yeah. Both generations. Okay. And getting their feedback and what worked well mm-hmm. and what didn't work so well. Yeah. Cool. And what's, so, I mean, sorry, go on. Yeah. 
know what worked well and what didn't work well. I, I can also elaborate a bit on that. So uh, to give an example, we wanted the app to be very safe because right. it, it obviously concerns the privacy of children. So we didn't want it to be like, for example, WhatsApp, where you can simply add someone just based on their phone number and reach out to them. Mm. Uh, so we implemented an extra security mechanism with a secret code with some extra check marks. But of course, <laughs> people are mm. like, oh, it's so difficult to add someone. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's the point. But that also yeah. is, of course, disturbing in the customer journey. So mm. onboarding is an issue. It needs to be as simple as possible so that even, let's say, an 80-year-old grandma can can do it. But it also has to be safe enough for the child. So uh, really a, a nice balance and exercise to to have like a good puzzle to to try and solve. How does that work exactly with the puzzle? I mean, who the mm-hmm. child must solve the puzzle, is it? And you see them solving that in the video. Is that, how does is that work? Oh, I meant more like as a team, it's our puzzle to solve. That ah, is sorry, a user yes. experience for both the grandparents as well as young children. That's a, a great puzzle to solve. That's what I meant. Okay. But yeah, like in our app, we also <laughs> have all sorts of interactive games where you, for example, send a video and you can ask your child to send a video back. So you kind of like have a ping pong effect if that's what you're implying. Right. And in terms of the technology, I mean, how do you see that evolving? Yes, it's going faster, I think, than some initially thought. So people are predicting in three to five years that the metaverse will, you know, be mainstream and people will be in the virtual world. On the other hand, some are also saying, well, it's very costly. I think the other day I heard that Mark Zuckerberg has already spent, I think, one and a half billion on building uh, Meta in the metaverse. And he only has like 30 active users on a daily basis. So that's oh pain, painful exercise, right? Mm, so, yeah. But yeah, definitely I see the technology evolving and just imagine... You probably have seen those those videos of people saying, oh, mobile phones, but I have a, a printer and a fax, right? So why would yeah. I need a mobile phone? <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe uh, sometimes it will be like that as well with these uh, developments. But to be very clear, like Picabond has not yet been built in the metaverse. This is just right. a trend that we're very tightly watching and we're prototyping and making sure that we're at least ahead of the curve and not walking behind the herd. Um, yes. But also keeping in mind our users. And you mentioned blockchain. Is that something you guys are also looking at? Yeah. As you can imagine, blockchain and decentralized storing of assets, uh, be it digital assets, such as videos that people create, mm. could be very interesting. I was actually approached the other day by someone who gave the idea of a digital fault where grandparents can save a bitcoins, for example, for grandchildren when they, for example, pass away, that they can at least pass along their, you know, videos incorporated with their bitcoins or with whatever cryptocurrency they choose as a, you know, legacy to their grandchildren. I thought it was a quite a nice idea, but on the other hand, you don't want to speculate on. <laughs> you know, grandparents betting their savings yeah. <laughs> uh, away and then us being responsible for that. So one of our key values in uh, Pigabon, I think maybe the most important one is that we're very ethical and really making decisions always 
aligned with our mission and in determining which opportunities to pursue, which experiments to run. It's all comes down to our why. And we're really in this world to help families build meaningful connections across distances and anything that we can do to facilitate that with whatever trends there are, we are considering. So yeah, that's, I think, what it boils down to, to see is this something that's aligned with our values or, you know, yeah. is it potentially only a, a risk or a threat? And how do you manage, you know, the investment aspect? So you mentioned there on Facebook at the spending, I don't know, one and a half billion already because they got big pockets. But as yes. a smaller company, how do you manage that cost versus, you know, what features we should add? Well, I think one trick is obviously to avoid building as long as you can. So first, pretend that it's live and it not being actually functioning, but testing with users if they would want to use it or if they they would click on it. For example, we are currently only serving asynchronous connection between family members, but we could include a button like, hey, are you live at the moment? Press this button to have synchronous connection within the app. And if no one presses the button, that gives you an indication that nobody is interested in that, right? <laughs> yes. So you don't have to build it. And the same, for example, with we included all sorts of funny stickers and GIFs in our app. We first use a third party for this. So we're actually paying up a, like a third party provider who created all those stickers to see if our users are actually using it. And if they are, then great. And then we can build it ourselves. But for now, it's way cheaper to just source existing technology rather than having to build it ourselves. Another way is that there's, of course, a lot of, for earlier stage companies, like no-code or low-code solutions available. So we found a cheaper way to code our app compared to, for example, native development. We coded it on React Native. I'm sure you've heard of that platform. So it's both functional for Android and iOS, but it also has its disadvantages, right? So making sure that everything is responsive and it looks nice on all devices, it's a huge challenge. And I think uh, finding the right tech talent is already a challenge, but let's say we would build Picabon now in the metaverse and you would also need developers who are able to code on different types of those platforms, which is also of course, more costly. So yeah, I think that's an important thing to take into account as well. So far, we have had angel investors invest in in Picabond and we're very scrappy with the investment that we have received. And it's really helpful, of course, that my background is in venture capital. So I do know that game and the play a bit better than maybe an average Mm. founder who has not have, have any experience in the VC sector and the uh, investment sector. But yeah, it's uh, you got to be very scrappy as a founder, of course. Yeah, so you just developed a, an app that works across all platforms rather than building a separate iOS, mm-hmm. Android app. Indeed, mm-hmm. okay. exactly. Which is obviously uh, much more cost-effective. How, exactly. how about then, you know, this all this new innovation? And did you, I mean, when you looked at it, is your product... A monthly subscription product, or is it a free product, or where is yeah. it, or is there two options? <laughs> so we currently it's still completely free. Um, okay. We have always had a clear path towards monetization, right. so we know that eventually we'll also implement a subscription business model. 
But okay. for us, the first KPI that you, if you will, that we want to hit is to have more users on the platform and having them being engaged with each other and add a lot of value. And we see a lot of other monetization options once that first target is achieved. So our first focus, and this is something that I've learned from IPC time as well, is to really focus on uh, engagement, retention metrics, active users, and yeah, nail those before implementing the business model. Very interesting. So in general, the VCs, they wanted to see the number of users, people actively using the product rather than money coming in, basically. Depends on which investors. So okay. uh, you can tell that European investors are generally a bit more conservative, for example, than US investors. But this year, obviously, the market has had a huge downturn as well. So you can see US investors actually also asking more about revenue metrics compared to last year, for example, where they were right. only focusing on engagement metrics. Just because they're obviously nervous about the runway of their own startups and uh, portfolio companies. So they at least want a very clear path towards either profitability or to, you know, what is going to get you funded to the next round. So, yeah, it's a game, I guess. It's yeah. a, a matter of, yeah, finding the right investor for, for you and, and for us, of course. Yeah, and, and do you see that changing going forward? Like with the hard terms of you know these VCs and looking for revenue much sooner, or do you still see the, the core focus being? You know, you mentioned the downturn there of oh. just getting many more users on the platform, getting it up. Yeah, I do see that changing. Although I think for the bigger funds, I think it's still the same. They, okay. I'm just thinking. For example, you probably have heard of the app called Be Real, a social app. Yes. which snaps a picture, I think, front and back camera, which also obviously doesn't have a implemented business model. So I think those companies still do get funded and are super success stories, of course, very popular out of the blue. But I think in general, and also this is what I hear from other founders and other investors, is that, yeah, the criteria and the due diligence and, yeah, the whole process behind investing is getting the bar is, is set higher in the last year. You can definitely see that. The valuations are slashed, okay. especially for the, for the later rounds. So for us as an early stage company, it's not that big of a problem yet. We still have a lot of time, if you will, to catch up with, with that. But I mean, I feel very sorry for those founders who have to make an exit, let's say this or next year, because you've worked your entire live for like many, mm. many founders work for over 10 years, right? On a, on a big startup. Yes. And then they exited and imagine having to exit your company now. I feel really mm. for those, uh, those founders where it's basically your, yeah, your envisioned retirement. So um, I... Uh, it's a tough one. Yes. In that sense, I'm like, oh, actually, we're not in such a bad situation being an <laughs> early stage founder because the unicorns of the future, they're being built now. So that's... Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, and in, t in terms you mentioned there about you know it sounds like you have a low investment yeah. in the business and you're trying to keep it that way so you don't mm -hmm. I mean you've obviously had a lot of experience on the VC side both sides yes. really be the founder and being on the VC side so mm -hmm. th this idea of just taking a big load of money and just going it bigger and taking the outlook that you have a bigger business longer term or, or a shorter term versus yes. trying to grow as much as possible <laughs> yeah I've 
spoken to a, a few other founders who have raised a lot of funding and also to founders who are looking to raise money and see that as a problem that they haven't uh, gotten funding yet. But money doesn't solve problems, right? Yeah, they even yeah. see, say sometimes more money, more problems. <laughs> so obviously a lot of founders don't realize that once an investor invests, actually the pressure is even more on. And yeah, it's not like, oh, I got the funding now, so now I can lean back. No, on the contrary, you have to deliver the milestones, reports. Yeah, professionalize a lot once a professional investor gets on board. So that's something to be conscious of. And I think, I don't know, I used to be an investor myself, but I would recommend to any founder, if you don't need to raise, don't. Like bootstrap as long as you can. And yeah, have enough wiggle room to pivot, make different decisions without the pressure of having an investor with an extra opinion and which will delay your decision-making process even more, right? Okay. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, great, great. Like, that's yeah. really, really, really helpful. Well, just going back to Peekabond, I mean, in your experience now with that, how long are you building the business? I've been working on it for about two years now. Okay. Officially, we're established last year, summer, so around June, July. So, uh and Behind could, the scenes, I've been, uh, yeah, tinkering about it <laughs> for a little while. Yeah. These things take time, don't they? Mm-hmm, they do, yeah. And how about, can you share any other challenges that you experienced in terms of innovation uh, in that period of time? I think sourcing tech talent is obviously a very important challenge. Not just tech talent, but also marketing and sales talent is a, is a challenge. I think one advantage is that of the downturn, of course, a lot of people are get, getting laid off at the bigger companies. So those people hopefully come available for startups. So, yeah, I think, you know, really what it comes down to also building a good startup is really about getting the right people on the bus. So finding the right people, having them committed, having them value aligned with your mission. and you know, paying them the right way also with the inflation that's happening now is, of course, yeah, it's a huge challenge for founders. Any founder out there, nobody's going to tell you that's an easy, uh, easy job. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think sourcing talent, for example, from all over the world is an interesting thing that we have been doing. So, has we, it working well? Do you find? Yeah, we have. People all over the world. Yeah, we've built a company remote from scratch. So that gives lots of flexibility that you don't have to source within your own little country boundaries. But it also brings along its challenges, right? To have everyone mm. on board and aligned and committed and, you know, communication and transparency. And it takes a bit of extra effort, but I think it also brings a lot. And especially for a company like ours, we are about remote connecting and helping People build beautiful relationships across the world, across borders. So for us, it suits perfectly. And also that we then have so many people of different cultures. So we have now, I think, seven or eight people in the team with more than six nationalities. So um, I think that's interesting dynamic and very useful to come to better outcomes as well if you have a very diverse team. Yeah, very nice. Really like it. And I agree completely. People 
I thought about it, make the business so important. So uh, how do you see PicoBond building over the next few years? Yeah, well, of course, we have to listen to our users well. I think yeah. if we do that and we also watch the market really well, that will build a solution that gets to what's called product market fit. And in order to do that, we obviously need the right people in our team. So uh, in order to get the right people, you need to have yeah. enough financial means. So indeed, funding is also something that is important to us. But the timing of funding is is very important as well. So I think it's important to have a very clear goal, a dot on the horizon. So a clear BHAG of where you want to be and communicate that well with the team and as well as with uh, the investors so that everyone knows what you're working towards and obviously very mission related for us. So we want to help millions and millions of families across the world build beautiful bonds, no matter where they are, no matter what time zone, what location, how old they are. And yeah, in order to achieve that, we need to write people on the bus, investors, okay. users, team members. So yeah, that's what's on our roadmap, if you will. And uh, sorry, how do you, the marketing aspect of it then, how does that, how do you work that? I like it because it's a good bridge to what's up for next month. I think when we're also seeing each other at Web Summit. Yes. So um, going to the right tech events, being also at the places where our users are. So our users are typically expat families. That's a very important uh, aspect for us. So okay. I'm really looking forward to present Speakabond. We'll have a stand at the Web Summit as well. And uh, yeah, of course, we're doing the right other campaigns and uh, channels to really be where our niche users are. So it can be international schools, can be certain magazines, PR efforts. So yeah, of course, at uh, Web Summit, there are also a bunch of journalists. So we're hoping to get connected there as well. So uh, very excited about it. Yeah, very cool. What, can I ask you this one last question? I mean, because you mentioned yeah. there while ago about WhatsApp. So who, who do you see as like a competitor to your product? Is it like the WhatsApp, the Zooms, the communication yes. tools? Are they kind of the main competitor? I would say from our research that we have done, asking families, what are they using now? Indeed, they are mainly using WhatsApp and FaceTime, depending on, you know, of course, some, for example, in China, they use WeChat. And in some of the areas in Russia, Ukraine, they, I think they use Telegram. So it is indeed the communication platforms that they are using. In some cases, there are some, for example, online story reading apps out there, which is very uh, focused on just reading stories. So I'd say we have a more diverse offer, which is also based on child development science, which is also what our users really enjoy. And that is really solely dedicated for young children. So it's more ethical. So I think those are really the USBs that make us stand okay. out, the content and the fact that it's really designed for children. Okay. So if people want to learn more about Peekabond or get in touch with you, what's the best way? Great. Yeah. I think the best thing to do is, of course, to try out the app because it's completely free still. So you can do that in the app stores or find us through the website, peekabond.com, Peekabond uh, with double E. E-E-K-A-B-O-N-D. And 
If you want to reach out to me, the best way to do so is through LinkedIn. So my name is Anika Lamers, and you can also email me info at picabond.com. Fantastic, Anika. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed the conversation. And I wish you all the best with Picabot. And I wish you all the best, Ken, also with your two children uh, in (laughs) Ireland. And uh, please remember to stay playful. Ah, thank you. Thank you.